0: Меня зовут Люсина, и вы слушаете Caucasus Ток, где рассказывается о культуре, истории и туризме на Северном Кавказе.
1: This episode 14 Talk, source culture, history, North Caucasus mountains of Russia. And we have a grand The Arts in the North Caucasus.
2: Which raises the question, philosophical question, can a mini-series have a grand finale?
1: (laughs) Oh, it's going to be grand, my (laughs) friend. (laughs) Listeners, we have our first only Russian-speaking guest today on the show.
2: You said first only. You mean first ever.
1: First ever just Russian-speaking guest on the show.
2: I get it. First, only Russian. Got it. Yes. So in other words, a Russian speaker.
1: That's right. Wow. And she, you know, she does speak English, but we're doing this interview in Russian.
2: Is this going to be painful? I'm going to have to listen to someone go on in Russian and then someone in English be like, okay, so, so basically, she basically <laughs> was like, wait, <laughs> what, what is
1: it? Can we do that?
2: We could. Could we
1: have like a bloopers <laughs>
2: <laughs> episode? Just have me interpret <laughs> It'll be like, she'll talk for like 90 seconds straight, and I'll be like, ah, she basically said it. She really liked it. I mean, (laughs) that's basically what she said.
1: It was good. (laughs) Um, So let me say this up front, listeners. This is the first time we've done something like this, so we're learning how to, we're going to try to dub over English translation over this interview.
2: I'm just going to channel Yoda here and say, try not do or do not. There is no try. We're not going to try. We will do, and in a few moments, you will hear seamless. Radio quality, it's called ducking. When you talk and their volume goes down. Wow. Technical term. Fun fact. Okay. We need a fun fact sound, like a little ding.
1: But Eli, I just thought of this. let us I'm sure there are some Russian speakers or aspiring Russian speakers out there listening to this. I'm an aspiring Russian speaker. (laughs) Including yourself. (laughs) So we're going to actually, I haven't asked Eli about this yet. We're going to somehow include just the Russian interview portion of this. Sure podcast so you can listen to it just in russian
2: we won't publish it as a podcast we'll just put on our website as a separate download perfect definitely so if you just want the russian to practice
1: or to make fun of my russian
2: hey i could do that yeah but she will have flawless russian
1: yeah so and she is a give you a little background uh our guest is lucina she is a russian professor and she's she has taught my wife and me the last two years uh, she's worked on literature with us, Russian literature, our writing skills, and our speaking skills, So a- and grammar, basically all of it.
2: When you say literature, are you telling me that, like, do you read Russian classics in the original? Because right. if you were single, that would be an amazing, like, point to drop, you know, in terms of, like, fetching a impressive a mate. Yeah, I mean.
1: You would need the right person to impress with that, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I guess. Uh yeah, so our podcast is about Russian literature and specifically the role of the North Caucasus in the Russian literature. And the tie-in. In Russian literature. Okay. Yeah, so I, this is a really good episode because this is going to help all of us see that, you know, the North Caucasus has a very interesting and important role in the history of Russia and in its literature specifically. And in America, like, a lot of people are familiar at least with some of the basics of famous Russian authors. Um, so.
2: I'm probably like my wife, a lot of people, I'm not going to, I was just going to say that she started and not finished because she wasn't really into a certain Russian author, but it sounds like we throw her under the bus. So full disclosure, I also have started and not finished the same Russian author that rhymes yes. with Shmostayevsky.
1: <laughs> so this will, it'll be interesting hearing from Lucina because in America, the the authors who are most well-known to us, there are... Uh, It's a whole other huge group of Russian authors that we've just never heard of in America that are very famous here in Russia and the Caucasus. We
2: can name the top three or so. Yes. So
1: let's do that. We're going to do a Caucasus quiz right now.
2: Oh, he's putting me on the spot. I told Andrew that I really feel loved when he puts me on the spot. Yes. It's my love language. Yes.
1: So here we go. I looked up what are the best sellers on Amazon in Russian literature. so. If it's Amazon, you're you got to be thinking mainly Westerners, probably Americans. Yeah, I would assume is Amazon big in Europe? Sorry, they have them. Sorry, I don't know that about this. Yeah,
2: yeah, it's big in Europe.
1: Okay, so this is mainly what is the Russian literature Westerners buy and read the most? Easy. What do you think?
2: Oh, how many? How many am I naming? Go ahead and just. I have. I will name all the Russian literature I know. (laughs) I have the top. Nine. Oh no, no no i can't get i could not name nine russian books why don't
1: you start with authors who do you think are the most well-read russian you know what? Authors? i'm just
2: gonna go ahead and name what i know and i may not be able to match the author with the title okay perfectly okay but that's just to keep you on your toes so i think war and peace is going to be the first one okay bought but probably not read because i think it's so famous but I <laughs> oh don't interesting distinction get through it <laughs> yes um, I would say Brother Karamazov. Brothers Karamazov.
1: Okay. Who? I've never know-
2: even tried to say that now that I've studied Russian. Karamazov. Karamazov. Karamazov, da- I think. Yeah. Karamazov. Uh, Do you know so who that's the Dostoevsky. Authors?
1: All right. That's Brothers Karamazov is Dostoevsky. What about War and Peace? Who wrote War that? and
2: Peace is Tolstoy. Okay. Which is interesting because Tolsty means fat or chubby <laughs> in Russian. <laughs> yes. And his book, I don't know about him as a person, but his book is Tolstoy, man. I have
1: never made that connection.
2: Oh, it's right there.
1: Tolstoy, (laughs) Caniga.
2: So, yeah. Are we done? Okay, so those two, (laughs) um, I I would say third has to be Anna Karenina. Okay. Simply because I know the title. And I think Anna Karenina is by, um, I think it's by Dostoevsky. Tolstoy. Which is his pen name? Do you, they're, the same, per, they're uh, the same person? That's
1: not true, listeners.
2: Then you've got that's okay. Then you've got that guy. Um, I'm always confusing composers. Not Shostakovich, but you've got Solzhenitsyn.
1: Solzhenitsyn.
2: Solzhenitsyn. Yes. I mean, I have no idea what he wrote, but he's got to be on the list. And you know the rest of them, just all those good guys that we love.
1: Yeah. You know what? That was that was impressive. Thank you. I would say. If we're talking about four Americans, the big three of Russian authors, way before LeBron, Wade, and Bosch.
2: And he's not talking about LeBron James.
1: I am. <laughs> there, the big three, there was the big three of Russian authors. And you're right. It's Tolstoy, Dostoevsky, and Solzhenitsyn. So Leo, in English, it's Leo Tolstoy. Lev Tolstoy. Dostoevsky, I don't know if any Americans know his first name, but it's Fyodor, Fyodor, Fyodor yeah. Dostoevsky. Fyodor. And then Alexander Solzhenitsyn. Alexander Solzhenitsyn. Yeah. Those are the three big ones Americans know. All right, here are the bestsellers on Amazon. I looked at the top 20 and I condensed it to the top nine. War and Peace, four different versions of War and Peace was on there.
2: So that's oh, number sure. one,
1: Yeah. by far. Number two, interesting... One day in the life of Ivan Denisovich by mm. Solzhenitsyn.
2: That is surprising.
1: Yeah, but Solzhenitsyn, he is really, really popular in America, and he he wrote about some of the experiences in the, the Russian gulags. That's right. Yeah, in the 20th century. Huh. Uh, third is Crime and Punishment by oh, Dostoevsky. On, That's I a classic. Knew
2: that one was right there. That's a classic. There's another. And. But what? that
1: was impressive. You you called out Brothers Karamazov. Yeah. Yeah. So Crime and Punishment number three, Dostoevsky. Anna Karenina by Tolstoy, number four. That's there. Number five, another Dostoevsky, The Idiot.
2: The Idiot, yeah. I have heard of that.
1: Number six was a collection of Chekhov. Chekhov.
2: Oh, yeah, Chekhov.
1: Seven was another Solzhenitsyn book, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, Gulag Archipelago. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Eight was a collection of Pushkin books, Alexander Pushkin.
2: See, I have lost perspective on whether or not I'd heard of Pushkin before I came here because...
1: I never heard of him.
2: Literally every city down here has a Pushkin street. I live on Push, Pushkin sky. We live on Pushkin sky. Um, street. The street. And there's monuments. So I don't, I'm so saturated by Pushkin now. I don't know. Like I forget. Yeah. I so
1: Americans, if you've movie. never heard of Pushkin, he is. <laughs> Come here and you will. He is, I would say Russian consensus would say he is the greatest Russian poet of all time. Um, and then the ninth was Bulgakov. He wrote Master and Margarita.
2: You got me on that one.
1: Yeah, I'll, probably, I feel like that title, Master and Margarita, is pretty well known.
2: Is that a name or a drink?
1: I actually don't know that. Oh, you know what? It's Margarita. It's a girl.
2: Do you know my dad was doing We some... had a
1: waitress the other night, Margarita.
2: Her name was Margarita. Margarita. So get this, my dad was doing some genealogical research, because we know all the way back to like grandfather and that's it. Yeah. And he found in our lineage a woman named Maria Margarita Martini. Wow. And it just makes you wonder.
1: That was probably not intentional at all. If she name.
2: had a drinking problem. She knew Thomas Jefferson. What are the odds? That's another story.
1: Wow. Okay. Uh, so anyways, that list goes to show Eli was dead on. For most Americans, and I can definitely say for myself, Tolstoy, Dostoevsky, Karamazov, were the, are the three, I'm sorry, Tolstoy, Dostoevsky, Solzhenitsyn, the three main Russian authors we know, but there's just a whole other world out there. That is going to talk to us. I have a funny fact. I've not met, read many of the Russian classics. I'm just to honest. But
2: could you read in the original?
1: I could. It would take me a long time and it'd be very but hard. But you could do it. Yeah.
2: But you're already married, so.
1: But most of the classics I've read, I found them in dollar stores in America. Yeah. They, and they were some of Dostoevsky's. There was a day when I loved that store Dollar Tree. And oh, they had man. a good book selection. But yeah, I'm always kind of embarrassed talking to Russians because I haven't read many of the classics. Oh
2: yeah, I haven't gotten there yet.
1: Christy, my wife, has definitely read a lot more than me.
2: I haven't gotten to feeling embarrassed yet.
1: Yeah. So anyways, um, that's a good, good intro for our, our guest today, Lucina, a Russian professor
2: of literature. Welcome, Lucina.
1: Thank
3: you. I'm glad to be here. Thank you so much.
2: You are our second local guest, but our first interview in Russian.
1: That's great. Well,
2: I've already told a little bit about you. Could you tell our listeners about yourself?
0: What would you like to know? Of course, my name
3: is uh-huh. I live in the city of Yasin Duki and I work at Pitykhor State University.
1: And
2: what do you do at the university?
3: I teach Russian literature and teach Russian as a foreign language.
0: Uh-huh.
1: What kind of,
2: what different kind of students have you taught Russian to over the years?
0: Oh,
3: okay. How many different nationalities have I taught? So many different nationalities. I've worked for 17 years with foreign students, and therefore I've met students from all over the world. For example, my first class of foreign students was for Americans. They were a great group, and I've always had positive experiences working with foreigners. My classes have all been different. I've taught Mexicans, Argentinians, Egyptians, and many students from Europe, from Spain, France, Portugal, and England. Of the more exotic locations, as we would say, I've had students from Ecuador and Argentina.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. So
2: basically you've taught students from all over the world.
0: Yes, students come to P.D. from all over the world. Mm-hmm.
1: That's great. So listeners,
2: just to confirm, people of many different countries come to study and live here in the North Caucasus. Yeah. We in the West just aren't aware of it.
3: That's right. There are students in PT from almost every corner of the world. Uh-huh. North America, South America, Europe,
1: uh-huh. etc. Yes,
2: my wife and I were really surprised when we moved here at how many different nationalities are represented in Pitigorsk.
3: Right. This isn't a capital or a big city. It's a pretty small city. But for whatever reason, it's a hub for foreign students, and it really has always been that way.
2: Great. Okay, can you repeat your last name,
3: please? It's my husband's last name. Uh-huh.
2: To my ears, I understand that it's an Armenian name.
3: Of course, with the ending "yan," everyone knows that's Armenian.
2: But for Americans, that name isn't associated with that nationality. So what is your nationality?
3: So my nationality is, of course, Armenian.
0: Uh-huh.
3: But our family has a very mixed international bag. My mother's Armenian, but my father's Greek. Our family also has Russian and Georgian and even Serbian roots. So we're a very international family
0: так, что у нас Сербия, довольно-таки
3: да, да wow. интернациональная
2: семья. So, this is really a great picture of the Caucasus because there are so many nationalities involved.
3: Absolutely correct. The Caucasus is a multi nationality corner of the world, a beautiful corner of our world.
1: So, you,
2: were you born in this region?
3: Yes, I was born in Pitigorsk, but my parents are from the country of Georgia. So, my family really is from there, but moved to Pitigorsk and I was born here.
0: Yeah.
1: So
2: Georgia would be considered the Transcaucuses or South Caucasus.
3: Uh-huh. That's right. We call it the Transcaucuses: three countries—Armenia, Georgia, and Azerbaijan—which
0: were all formerly part of the Soviet Union or the USSR.
1: Да, мы я я не I don't
2: remember, Eli, if we specifically talked about this, but here in Pitigorsk, there are a lot of Armenians. I've even heard it called the city of Armenians.
0: Yeah, that's
3: probably right. I think you've rightly noticed that about here. But you know, I think Pitigorsk has more Armenians than yesen I
0: live
3: in yesen and more than anyone, yesen is full of Greeks. Mm Wow. Wow. There are two large suburbs of Yessentuki, name, named Sanamer and Yessentuki, uh, that uh, are mainly in inhabited Kursk by Greeks.
0: Uh-huh. And I mean.
3: of course, Kislovodsk, the, the next city Kislevodz. over,
0: no, w- as it's Kislevodz,
3: closer to the border with Karachay cherkessia Of course, there live many Karachai people there.
1: Yeah.
2: Yes, that's the KMV region. Okay, so to our topic today, we already gave our listeners a heads up. We'll be about Russian literature, but specifically the role of the Caucasus, the North Caucasus, in Russian literature. We looked on the internet. What Russian literature do Americans buy the most? Mm-hmm.
1: Thought. And you
2: probably won't be surprised. It's Tolstoy, specifically War and Peace, by far is bought the most.
3: Oh, oh! so you're talking about Russian literature in general, not just about the Caucasus.
1: Yeah.
2: Yes, everyone knows Tolstoy. Dostoevsky is the second most popular, and Alexander Solzhenitsyn is the third most popular. Among Americans, these are the most well-known Russian authors, but any others we know very little.
3: So our Pushkin, who, as we would say, is our everything the encyclopedia of life in russia not many americans have heard of him
2: yes very few americans know who alexander pushkin is
3: probably just literary scholars and professors primarily know him
2: Yes, that's right. So what about you? Who are your favorite Russian authors?
0: Well, I'm very glad you asked me who are my
3: favorite Russian authors, because if you had asked me who is your favorite Russian author, I wouldn't have been able to answer you. Because there isn't just one answer to that question. There are so many great authors. It really depends on the situation. For example, today I, with pleasure, would pick up a copy of Lermontov and read it. Uh Two days ago I read some of Anton Chekhov's literature. But honestly, I love the classics. More than anything, I love classical literature. It doesn't mean I don't read contemporary literature, but I love to read the classics the most.
0: First
3: of all, I'll mention the names of the authors who are always at the center of Russian literature, which is Pushkin and Lermontov. This was taught to me when I was a student. My teachers all helped me to understand that without these two men, Russian literature would not
0: exist.
1: Wow. If
2: you said this to Americans,
1: they would be surprised.
2: They wouldn't understand. Why not? Because we just know very little about Pushkin and Lermontov.
3: Of course, you mentioned Tolstoy is well-known, and this goes without saying. It's easy to love all of his works. Any of his writings are unique. What I love about Tolstoy is his writing style. It's very beautiful. How he paints a picture for the reader, how he accurately describes and presents situations. I more than anything read his classic works. And I'm able to immerse myself so deeply in his stories that I very closely relate to his characters. Though, of course, Tolstoy is one of my favorites.
0: Uh-huh. Chekhov is one of my favorites. Ivan Bunin.
3: Dostoevsky. To be honest, I'm not really a fan of Dostoevsky's deep psychological writings. But, of course, I read his works occasionally. He's
2: quite a philosopher, huh?
3: Um, Yes, he's a philosopher, Uh he's a psychologist, but I much more enjoy reading Tolstoy. I also really love to read Nikolai Gogol's works, especially Evenings on a Farm near Dukanka, as well as his collection of short stories, and of course, works from the Silver Age of Russian literature in the 20th century. I'm happy to read those
1: as well.
2: Great, I think from among all these authors, we will specifically focus on... Mikhail Lermontov and Alexander Pushkin.
3: Because of their connection to the Caucasus. Yes, that's right. Of course, and don't forget Tolstoy as well. That's
2: a good bridge to our next topic.
3: Yes, it's a perfect thread between the two.
2: So, among these authors, or in general, what Russian authors wrote about the North Caucasus?
0: I can say that the topic of the
3: Caucasus in Russian literature, it started with the works of Vasily Zhukovsky and Gavrila Derzhavin at the end of the 18th and the beginning of the 19th century. You probably have never heard anything about them, Zhukovsky and Derzhavin. Okay. These are Russian poets, very famous poets. And it needs to be said that they never actually went to the Caucasus, but they wrote about the Caucasus the first literary work that the Caucasus was ever mentioned in Russian literature can be attributed to these men uh-huh. Derzhavin wrote two works the first poem is called The Conquest of Derbent I'm sure you guys have already talked about Derbent on this show but yes, The Conquest of Derbent and a second poem on Count Zubov's return from Persia as I'm sure you understand to get to the north the road leads through the Caucasus and Zhukovsky has a work called To the Voyakovs and so, from these works of literature, the themes of the Caucasus is introduced into Russian literature. Why did they write about the Caucasus? At the end of the 18th century, and the beginning of the 19th century, as I'm sure you're aware of, this was during the beginning of the 100-year-long Caucasus War,
0: mm-hmm. which began
3: in the middle of the 18th century, and it ended, or at least we'd like to say it ended, in the middle of the 19th century. Yeah.
1: It finished in
2: 1865, right? In that time period?
3: Yes, approximately finished in that time, right around when Tolstoy wrote his beautiful work. He was here in the Caucasus and finished writing his book.
2: Which work was that? Haji Murat?
3: Which work did Tolstoy write, you mean? Yes. Of all Tolstoy's works, his book Haji Murat Uh is the one most dedicated to the Caucasus. He also wrote three short stories, The Raid, The Cutting of the Forest, and The Prisoner of the Caucasus. And there's also a book called The Cossacks about the Caucasus and the Cossacks in this region. Tolstoy viewed the Caucasus differently than Lermontov and Pushkin did.
2: Twist. Uh, so most people w- say... W- shit, uh that the 19th century was the golden age of Russian literature, right?
3: That's and absolutely correct. And
2: during that time was when Russian authors began to write about the North Caucasus.
3: Of course, yes. Like I said, Derzhaven and Zhukovsky started writing about the Caucasus and the traditions here, and then Lermatov and Pushkin, why did they write about the Caucasus? Pushkin was actually exiled to the Caucasus by the Tsar. Zhukovsky actually requested that the Tsar not Not exile Pushkin to the far north, so they sent him here to the south. And it was here that the Caucasus made such an impression on him. What
0: specific impressions did the Caucasus make on him? Well,
3: I'm sure when you first came to the Caucasus that it made some first impressions on you too, right? The landscape, the mountains, the people. Even though it's been 200 years since Pushkin was here, these same things make an impression on people today.
1: Okay, so those
2: were whose impressions?
0: Pushkin's. Those
3: were his impressions.
0: Uh Uh He
3: has several poems about the Caucasus, the most famous of which is Prisoner of the Caucasus. Uh This poem really describes the Caucasus, specifically what the Highland people are like in the beautiful mountains.
0: Uh He wrote,
3: This amazing people has drawn all of Europe's attention. Among the Highlanders, the prisoners Listeners observe their faith, morals, and upbringing. These were the kind of things he wrote in his poems. You can see what he focused on among Caucasus people. Huh. And of course, he wrote about the beautiful Caucasus nature. He has a poem called Caucasus where he says, the Caucasus lies before my feet. I stand where glaciers gleam beside a precipice rock-ribbed Uh An eagle that has soared from off some distant cliff, and so on. I could quote a lot more, but I'll stop there.
2: So, listeners, you're only hearing the English translation of what Lucina just said, but it sounds really beautiful how it's composed in Russian.
3: (laughs) Uh, I'm sure there are English translations of Pushkin's poems, right?
2: Yes, absolutely. We'll make sure to make them available to our listeners.
1: That's great.
2: So of these Russian authors, were any of them actually born in the Caucasus, or were they all Russian who came south to the Caucasus?
0: Well,
3: as far as the 19th century goes, those who described the Caucasus were not from here. At the beginning of the 20th century, which is called the Silver Age of Russian literature, other Russian authors spent time in the Caucasus, such as Ivan Bunin, Maxim Gorky, Asip Mantostam, Sergei Yesenin, Belim Berkhlebnikov, Anna But no, they weren't actually from the Caucasus. Concerning modern Russian literature, there are definitely some authors from the North Caucasus. To be honest, though, I don't know modern Russian literature very well. I read many works about the Caucasus, for example, the Chechen Blues, but this is pretty specific to the time of the Chechen Wars in the 1990s, and therefore presents a different picture of the Caucasus. Lermontov, of course, wasn't from the Caucasus, but for him, the Caucasus was like his second home because from his earliest years he would come here with his grandmother and later in life he made lots of trips to the Caucasus.
0: Mm-hmm. he wrote
3: such beautiful things about the Caucasus
0: I don't think any
3: other Russian author wrote about the Caucasus with such affection as did Lermontov uh-huh. he starts his poem Ismail Bay with the lines I greet you silver Caucasus yeah. among your mountains I'm a traveler right at home
0: uh-huh. okay
1: so
2: let's transition to Lermontov for Russians you can't talk about the city of Pitigorsk without mentioning Lermontov, right?
3: Of course, that's absolutely correct.
2: Listeners, we live here in Pitigorsk. It's our city, and it's right on the border of the North Caucasus republics. But you can call it a part of the North Caucasus, because so many different Caucasus nationalities live here. Lucina, can you tell us just a little bit about Mikhail Lermontov? Because in the West, we know very little about
3: him. Of course he was a wonderful, brilliant poet and writer. When we talk about Pushkin, we call him a poet, but when we talk about Lermontov, he was both a poet and a writer. He wrote beautifully in poetry and in prose. This is beautifully shown in his book, Hero of Our Time, which is based in the Caucasus. In one of the chapters, he writes, yesterday I came to Pitygorsk and rented an apartment at the base of Mount Mashuk.
1: Uh
2: Which is exactly where we are sitting right now. That's
3: right, we're sitting at the base of Mount Mashuk. Like you said, here in Pitigorsk is the official Lirmatov Museum where he often visited and where he got into the argument with Martinov, which resulted in the duel that ultimately led to his death.
0: Lirmatov
3: lived a very short life. He was born in 1814 and died in 1841. He didn't even turn 27 years old but he accomplished so much in such a short time that's why I say he's one of my favorite authors there was a time in my life when I was in grade school that his book Hero of Our Time was my favorite book I was so mesmerized by the main character Pechorin,
0: who on the one hand
3: was pretty crude but on the other hand was a true romantic I think lots of Russian girls have fallen in love with the character of
0: uh-huh.
3: Basically, Lerumatov in the Caucasus uh-huh. is a whole different subject. Do you remember I said that Lerumatov was born in
0: 1814? In
3: 2014, uh-huh. there was a 200-year celebration of his birth, and there was an international conference held in Chechnya in his honor. Unfortunately, I couldn't attend, but I heard many good things about it. Uh-huh. Oh. All Russians love Vladimir. Well, wait, he was at times controversial. Okay, never mind. Not everyone loves him.
2: Of course. You can't find such a person that absolutely everyone loves.
0: Well,
3: there are some people who even call him a lowlife. But for me, he's just a brilliant poet. i always love reading his works. I know so many of his writings by heart. And I always have my foreign students read and memorize at least a short segment of his writings. With my foreign students, I always take them around Pitigorsk and show them the most famous places dedicated to Lermatov, including where his infamous Fatal Duel was.
2: Uh Uh Listeners, from this spot where we are sitting... It's a 25 to 30 minute walk to the very place where Lermontov was killed in a duel. It's like holy ground for
1: Russians. Many
2: Russian tourists visit Pitigorsk and spend time viewing Lermontov's old stomping grounds.
1: That's
0: right. His spirit still lives here,
3: included in Lermontov's huge collection of works are nine poems dedicated specifically to the Caucasus,
0: Uh the most famous of which being Prisoner of the Caucasus.
3: You probably see the pattern here, the element of Pushkin and Tolstoy. All wrote works with this exact same title, Prisoner of the Caucuses. Lermatov's poem by this title is his most famous poem, and the other eight are also written with specific Caucus themes in mind.
0: Wow. What does he write about in these poems? It goes without saying the beautiful landscapes which he describes what Caucasus uh, Highland people are like.
3: Lermontov and Pushkin were both focused on the physical beauty of the Caucasus peoples. Uh-huh. How uniquely beautiful they were. You get this picture of beauty when you read read his descriptions of Caucasus' peoples in his poems.
0: Uh And of
3: course, they really are beautiful people. Their morals, Uh culture, traditions, etc. Listeners, if you want to see for yourself, read Lytmatov's books, especially Hero of Our Time.
1: That is a
2: great recommendation. Listeners, this is really interesting, because for Westerners we know very little about the Caucasus, but in Russia, the Caucasus plays a very important role in their history, and especially in their literature. Of course, now the Caucasus is a part of Russia, but before it wasn't. But I hope you've seen just a little bit of the role the Caucasus has in Russia's history and literature. Like you've heard from Lucina, Lermontov, Pushkin, and Tolstoy are all very famous writers and had a lot to say about the North Caucasus. It's almost ironic because many Americans, if you ask them about the Caucasus, would assume it's not a very important region because of how little they know about it. But for Russians and in their history, it's a very important place. Would you say that's pretty accurate? Of
3: course that's accurate. Such a beautiful region set right between the Black and Caspian Seas, with unbelievably beautiful
0: mountains. Well, I'm
3: not sure if I can say this or not. The French might argue with me, but we have the highest mountain peak in all of Europe. You
2: can say that. That's right. We've already discussed that. We'll back you up.
3: Uh, Mount Elbrus is 5,200
0: meters high. Da. And of
3: course, that's an invitation for any Alpin and lovers of extreme sports. We welcome you to check it out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure
3: you many times have seen the amazing views of Elbrus from Pitigorsk on a clear day, as well as from Yessentuki and other cities in this region. Mm. With the light blue background, and out of nowhere appears this quote-unquote white hat. Do you know what Lermontov called Elbrus? The head of the mountains.
0: Uh-huh.
2: What does that mean, head? Yes,
3: it means head. He
0: wrote a poem called Argument.
3: One of the lines says, with the head of the mountains, Kazbek had a big argument. This, of course, is a reference to Elbrus and the highest mountain in the neighboring Georgia, Kazbek.
1: All
2: right, we're going to wrap things up soon. Lucina, you've briefly touched on some poems and works about the Caucasus. What specific works of literature would you recommend our listeners to read to learn more about the Caucasus? If you
3: want to get a picture of the beauty of this region, then the first book you must read is The Hero of Our Time by Mikhail Lermontov. I definitely recommend this book because you want to come visit the North Caucasus then you will likely travel through Pitygorsk at the beginning of your trip yes. Lermontov yeah. describes Pitygorsk really well of course that was 200 years ago and a lot has changed since then no. but the same beautiful nature still exists today
2: Yeah, Mount Mashuk, Mount Beshtau the view of Mount Elbrus from here
3: that's right, read Hero of Our Times especially the chapter titled Princess Mary and you can take a kind of journey around Pitigorsk, visiting the same places that the main character Pechorin did. You will come away with a beautiful view of the Caucasus from this book. Of course, Lermontov and Pushkin had a very romantic view of the Caucasus. Tolstoy, on the other hand, had a much more realistic view of the Caucasus. He didn't focus as much on the beauty and mystery aura as he did on the place of war here in the region. But that was very typical of Tolstoy's writings, wasn't it? He describes conflicts in Prisoner of the Caucasus Caucasus and in the raid and in the cutting of the forest. And last but not least, his crowning piece about the Caucasus, you must read Haji Murat. This was about the events during Tsar Nicholas I's reign involving the infamous Imam Shamil from Dagestan.
2: Okay, so listeners, we will include links in the show notes to read about these books online and even to purchase them if you want to read more. I'm sure some of you may not even know how to spell Haji Murad, so we'll be sure to include links to all of the works that were mentioned.
3: Ah, I almost forgot to mention the author, Bessuzhva Marulinskva. This is also a very famous Russian author. He dedicated many of his works to the Caucasus, the two most most well-known being Amalad Bek and Mula Nur. They're fascinating
1: books.
2: Okay, let's repeat that one final time. Your three top recommendations to read about the Caucasus, Hero of Our Time by Mikhail Lermontov, Aji Murat by Leo Tolstoy, and what was the third I'm not familiar with him?
3: Uh, Alexander bestuzhev marlinsky and he wrote two famous romantic short stories about the Caucasus, Amalat Biek and Mula Nur. I recommend you read Amalek
1: So,
2: listeners, if this is something you are interested in, read these books and learn more about the North Caucasus. Okay, final question. We always ask our guests this question. What would you like to say to the English-speaking world about the North Caucasus?
0: I would
3: say, not just to the English-speaking world, but to the whole world.
0: Come here to the North Caucasus. Such hospitable people live here. Exactly
3: the kind of hospitable people that Lermontov, Pushkin, and Tolstoy described in their writings. I really don't want the world to only associate our region with war.
0: Yes,
3: there have been wars here, both in the 19th and 20th centuries. But I really hope we can put a period on that sad part of our history.
0: For this to happen, mm-hmm. I
3: really think more people need to come here with open hearts.
0: Mm-hmm. Just like
3: Lermontov and Pushkin did, they didn't come here with weapons, but with their pens and poems, so that the peoples here would prosper. Wow. So yes, please come. Let's learn from each other our national songs, dances, cultures, smiles, and embrace each other.
2: That was very well said. I agree 100%.
1: Good. Lucina,
2: thank Thank you so much.
3: much. I really enjoyed enjoyed our discussion. Thank you again.
2: Maybe we'll do a second interview in the future just about Lermontov and Perigorsk.
0: There was so much we weren't able to talk about today, but maybe next time.
1: It was
2: a great conversation and I think our listeners will really enjoy what they heard. Thank you. All right. Wow. That was awesome. I it was I was gonna say that was awkward. I mean it was not awkward, but I think Aw <laughs> oh, something. Aw oh, awkward. No, it was awesome because she is um definitely an expert and passionate. She's so passionate yeah. about literature. And I would I think for our very first voiceover translation effort, that was okay.
1: Hey. It was okay. I'll take it. <laughs> you did it. Just so you know, listeners. Eli is our tech guy, and he he did all the dubbing. A, I, I a literally didn't do none it. of that. The dub, the dub master. Um, so, anyways, but I, I just good feel job. like
2: if anyone sat there, sort of squirmed a little, like eh, it's kind of awkward the way they sound, a little bit canned. Just let's acknowledge it. Let's put it out there and move on. We have
1: one of my goals was to make people feel awkward <laughs> with this episode.
2: Well, you One of my succeed with me. Goals. Did you every know that? <laughs> See, I don't even need that to be a goal because my awkward sensor is so like broken that I do it all the time and don't even know it. <laughs> so,
1: all right. So, listeners, we hope you enjoyed that interview with a local expert on uh, Russian literature in the North Caucasus. And uh, please, a I know we said lexical say this.
2: expert, a yes. lexpert.
1: <laughs> That's right. Um moving right along here. Awkward. Um we I know we often say check the show notes for this, and this is funny because I never check the show notes <laughs> of the podcast I, I listen to. Um but this this might be our kind of our best show notes yet. I mean we we basically have like an exhaustive list of different pieces of Russian literature that reference the North Caucasus in both English and Russian. And ways for you to either read them online or to purchase them,
2: which could be um, exhausting, but yes, um, for many of you it would be probably exciting. Yeah, probably
1: not many of you, but I know there's <laughs> at least a handful of you that you know who are, we
2: you know who you are. Yeah. We're talking to you.
1: You're you're literature lovers and probably have some interest in Russian literature. So please check that out. We hope that's a good resource for you. Um, yeah, great man. So. Thank you, Lucina. Uh, I know this is getting lots of... This is probably passing its way through Armenian homes, Dadeva homes, all over the Caucasus all over as we speak. All over the
2: land. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Um,
1: but, yeah. And listeners, uh, I know that was our grand finale, but we did mention in our last episode um, that we need to talk about the Les and dive into that more, that piece of Caucasus kind of pop music it
2: needs to we need it needs its own maybe even mini series we'll see I
1: yes mean. yeah because it's more than just music it's dance it's more than music. uh it represents a lot um and so anyways we're gonna come back come to, back to back to that come back
2: to that <laughs> and and also um the dance thing you may be glad to know or or horrified that uh, during in the last couple episodes, I have actually begun Les Ginka lessons, like the dance with my son. Awesome. I mean, some people hear that kind of stuff and they're like, "I would rather die than take Les Ginka lessons," and that's cool. Um, that's okay. It's not for everyone, but um, <laughs> I'm I'm getting a little bit of the of an insider angle. I hope so. I in in time to come, we're we're going to bring on the uh the dance piece so love it yep
1: awesome all right listeners thank you so much for being on this journey with us again this was episode 14 you got it nailed it episode 14 of caucus talk your source for culture history and tourism in the north caucasus mountains of russia
2: thanks for listening and we'll see you when you get here